morning, everyone. You guys ready for another chapter here in our series of How to Train a Dragon? Wonderful. We are in part three. And if you've missed any of the last two weeks, let me kind of give you a little bit of a summary because we're going to watch the next clip. We're following the story of Hiccup, right? Funny name. Does anybody name Hiccup in here? Sorry if your name is, but I don't think so. It's a Viking name. Um, Hiccup is a, is a young Viking, and he lives on an island called Burke, and he has befriended a dragon, which it goes against everything his village believes in because dragons are the enemy. Vikings and dragons have been at war for a very, very, very long time. This is a story, <laughs> but in the story, that's what's going on. And so Hiccup had tried to capture one of these dragons by one of his inventions, and while doing that, he injured the dragon. Where did he injure the dragon? In his tail. So because his tail was injured, this dragon couldn't fly anymore. So Hiccup decided to create something. He invented something that would fix the tail. And he did that. But it required both Hiccup, and he named his dragon Toothless. Both of them were required to work together to actually fly. The dragon couldn't fly on his own. So we left last week with the clip where Toothless and Hiccup were training in secret and learning how to fly together, right? And they were having a lot of fun. So that's where we left off, and we'll pick up the clip from there. So let's go ahead and watch the movie. That's not a cliffhanger, that's a sad hanger. Oh man. Next week, next week we're gonna we're gonna see it come together. Oh man. So it looks like Hiccup is going to go and do something crazy, right? He said he's gonna go do something crazy. And we'll have to wait until next week to see exactly what that is. But like Astrid said that Hiccup lost everything. He lost everything. He lost his father. He lost his tribe. He lost his best friend. But even though Hiccup was feeling horrible and, and helpless, there was something bigger and there was something deeper that he was experiencing than just those feelings. And that spurred Hiccup into action. It's something that Hiccup believed in deeply, no matter what the consequences may be, as we saw. Whether people stood with him or didn't stand with him, it's evident that Hiccup stood very firm in, the, in what he believed. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning today. The title of our message this morning is Stand Firm. Let's Read our Bible quote for today, coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13 and 14 in your booklet. It will be on the screen as well. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. 
You know, several times throughout the scriptures, throughout the Bible, you will see us being commanded and instructed to stand firm. Last week, we even looked at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, where it says, Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. When we put on God's spiritual armor, it enables us to stand firm against the real enemy, the devil. We talked a little bit about that last week. But what are we standing firm on? What are we standing firm in? That, that's going to be our first point for this morning. Stand firm in the faith. That's what we're standing firm in, in faith. Just last week, I had somebody I was working with who is also a believer, and she came up to me with excitement in her eyes, telling me that she just read the whole Bible, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation, in just five days. Yeah, I, was, I thought I misheard her. I said, what, five days? She said, yeah. So it was something that her church was doing together, and they read the whole Bible from cover to cover in five days. I was, I was like, I have never done that before. What, what did you get out of that? What, what did God teach you through those five days? And she said, so many, so many, so many things. But one thing that I got to see so much clear and like never before is how our belief and our faith is central to everything in our life. What we believe about God and what he says defines everything about not who, just so who we are, about, about what we truly experience in God. And I said, that is so, so true. What we believe in and have faith in truly does define everything about us. And there comes a time in our life as believers, as Christians, just like Hiccup, we need to come and take a stand for the things that we believe in, for the things that are true, the things that are good, the things that are right for our faith. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us that there's a time for everything that's on earth. That's done on earth. There's a time to tear. There's a time to mend. There's a time to be silent. And there's a time to speak. So there's a time to be silent. But then there's also a time to speak. There's a character in the Bible called Joseph. And this Joseph is not as well known as the Joseph of the Old Testament, who is Jacob's son, or Mary and Joseph, that Joseph. This Joseph was another Joseph. His, he was from a place called Arimathea. It's kind of a hard word to say, but it's a city outside of Jerusalem. And just like Hiccup, Joseph believed things in secret. He was actually considered a secret follower of Jesus. Nobody knew that, right? Because Joseph followed Jesus secretly because he was, he was frightened. He was scared of the Jews of the Jewish people who would find out and what would they would think about him and maybe even what they would do to him if they found out. It tells us that Joseph was a wealthy man, that he had 
money. He was rich, but he was actually also one of the leaders of the Jewish people. He was, Paul, he was called, um, as part of the council, uh, a group of 70 people that ruled over the Jewish nation. And this, this council was also called the Sanhedrin. And when this group, the Sanhedrin, condemned Jesus to death, to die on the cross, the Bible tells us that Joseph, he didn't go along with them. Okay? He didn't go along with them. He did not consent to them. Let's read this in Luke chapter 23, starting in verse 50. And, and this character, he's in all four of Gospels, but we're just going to look at Luke today. Verse 50 says, Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of of God. Joseph was waiting for the kingdom of God. He was waiting and he's standing in faith for the kingdom that God for the kingdom of God that Jesus had told him about. This kingdom that Jesus had explained to him and and it's because that Joseph stood firm in the faith and all the truths that Jesus had told him and revealed to him that even though he was a secret follower, and even though he had stayed silent for a while, and even though he may have been filled with great fear, he knew that there was a time to take a stand. To go against what everyone else was thinking and what everyone else around him was doing, which was to sentence Jesus to death. And you know what that requires? It requires courage. It takes courage to do that. But make no mistake, courage is not something that is a personality trait. Some personalities are courageous and some personalities are not courageous. That's not true. Courage also is not a feeling, okay? Nor is it an absence of feeling, like the absence of fear. In fact, it's very often in the great presence of fear that often courage appears. That's very true in many, many cases. But courage also doesn't come from nothing. It doesn't just appear out of nothing. It comes from faith and standing firm in the things that we truly believe in. God said to the Israelites one time in the Old Testament, Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them, speaking of these giants in the land. For the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. So here's the thing. We can't be courageous just because we want to. Okay? And I can't be courageous just because my, my friend Daniel says, be courageous. I can't, I can't just be courageous on my, on my own. But here's the thing. When God tells you to be strong and courageous, you can be 100%. Why is that? Because God said it. Because God says so. Because that means I can be strong and courageous because God says be strong and courageous. Because whatever God says, it just is. It just is. It's reality. It's true. It's There's no way getting around it. What he says is always going to be true. 
So when he says something and we believe it, no matter how we feel or what we see around us, and we stand firm in what God says, it becomes true. What he says in the unseen then becomes visible, real, and seen. That, that is the way faith works, but faith is not just about just, okay, I believe in God. There is a standing firm in what he has said and what he has spoken. And when he says he will go with you and that he will never leave you or abandon you, and when you stand firm in that truth, in that reality, you will know and you will experience what true security really is. That thing that we all as human beings are searching for. Security. But that's only in God. And that's when we're feeling secure in God, that's where courage and strength really comes from. Because it's not in in and of ourselves. But in order for us to then stand firm in the faith, we also need to, and this is our second point, let go of this world's rights and privileges. After Jesus died on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. If Joseph didn't do this, Jesus' body would have been thrown in the garbage dump with every other criminal and burned. Okay, Because criminals back then lost their rights to have a proper burial. But Joseph asked for Jesus' body, and this very action made it so clear that Joseph loved Jesus. And he made, it made him stand out as a follower of Jesus. He, and he was no longer a secret follower. He no longer was going to be a silent follower. For Joseph went to go to Pilate and he asked for his body. And just like Hiccup, Joseph had to let go of his worldly right to be accepted for those he had been trying to get acceptance from his entire life. For Hiccup, it was his dad. For Joseph, it was his fellow Jews. Hiccup finally had his dad's acceptance. His dad celebrated, as we saw. Today, he becomes one of us. And almost in the very next moment later, Hiccup looks into the dragon's eyes that he was supposed to kill, and he declares, I'm not one of them. Remember that? Joseph boldly goes and asks for Jesus' body, risking to lose everything, but making it very clear that he's not one of them either. That it was time to be silent no longer. So not only did Joseph let go of his right to be accepted from people, he also let go and surrendered his right to be religiously accepted before God. What do I mean by that? When, G, when Joseph asked for Jesus' body, he actually went and took down Jesus' body himself. And he prepared it himself for burial. And in the law of Moses, if you touch a dead body, that means you are unclean. And it was the day before Passover. That means he was going to be unclean for seven days before God's eyes. 
But there was something that was happening right here that Joseph was being a part of that he saw that was going beyond just the law. It's almost as if he was stepping out of the shadow of the law of the good thing that was about to come, which was the grace of God. This was a big deal. He gave up his right to be religiously clean, to be approved by God through the works of the law. And instead, he immersed himself in the death and burial of Jesus Christ. That's what Joseph did. And it was as if he was one of the first people to start to really understand and get a glimpse of what God was going to do. I don't think he knew it then, but he must have later, that what he chose to do that day made way for not only his uncleanliness, but for everyone's uncleanliness to be washed by the very blood that he was stained with after taking Jesus' body down from the cross. That same blood was going to wash away all the uncleanliness of the world. The tomb that Jesus was laid in, the Bible tells us, was actually belonged to, do you know who it belonged to? It belonged to Joseph's. Joseph's. He was the purchaser of that tomb. And to me, that's such a powerful picture. Powerful picture because that Jesus was laid in the very tomb that was meant for Joseph. Yeah? That's the gospel. There's a picture of the gospel right there. Jesus died for your sins so that you don't have to. He was laid in the tomb that was meant for you. He was raised from the dead. That was... That, and he conquered death from the very tomb that was meant for you so that you and I can be raised with him to everlasting life. To everlasting life. Jesus came not to just improve your life. He didn't come just to fix up your life. He, came, he didn't come to change your life. He came to exchange your sinful life for his resurrected perfect life that's what he did the tomb that was laid made for you he took that place and he conquered death for you for us humans just remember seeing the dragon having to bring all their kills to the big dragon and that they were controlled by that big dragon for us humans that's that's the power of sin we're, we're enslaved by the power of sin, and that's why Jesus came to earth, to set us free from that. Once and for all. And we sing it today. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. And the only way to truly experience that freedom is to stand firm in it, that that is true. Regardless of how you feel, regardless of what's going around you, if Jesus has set you free, you are free indeed. And that's the whole of our part, is to believe it. We are believers to believe in what he has said. But we cannot stand firm if we're not willing to let go of the rights and privileges of this world. Philippians 2, 5-7 through 7 tells us, and I'll end with this, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who although existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he empties himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. We are to also have this attitude in ourselves, not to try to grasp at the rights that are in this world of acceptance, dignity, control, whatever it is that we're trying to seek for in people or in this world, but instead make yourself nothing like Jesus did. Make yourself nothing. Why? So that God can become your everything. That's how, why we have to let go of these things so that God becomes truly everything. The more we hold on to things here in this world, that's, that's not letting us experience everything that he has given to us, every spiritual blessing that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Peter 3.14 says this, But in fact, if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. And that is the truth in God. So we don't have to be terrified. We don't have to be shaken. But we can do what is right. Even if we suffer for it, we can be blessed. Sure. Um, I find it interesting as we do this uh, month at the movies here, watching a movie that's you know broadcast out in the world. And it's interesting because you get to see the value system of this world and it just comes so clearly that the strong the beautiful wind they get ahead in life and it's the system of this world um, that tells us you need to prove your worth over and over and over again and, and I just can't help but think about how in the church, how God offers something so much bigger, something eternal, deeper, and um, speaks so much to our hearts, you know. Um, it just made me think of, you know, the, the, past, um, the clip when um, Hiccup first um, encountered um, what's his name again? Yes, Toothless, that's right. And he just ca- kind of cover, c- cower in fear. And, and he just couldn't muster any strength or courage to face this dragon, this giant that's um, sitting in front of him. Um, and then it made me think of, you know, little scrawny David. You know, in the Old Testament, you heard about David and Goliath. And David was just all about... You know, God is the one who trains my hands for battle. He's, he, he has purposed me for this, to face this giant Goliath. Um, and so this sharp contrast, you know, where is the strength coming from? Strength, I mean, it's, it's God gives. You know, when he, when he gives it to us, he doesn't just leave us with a gift. It's the gift and the giver. We get God all in one package. It's all in one deal. He, when he gives, he gives the power and of himself to us. And that's what um, enables us, 
we talk about to stand, you know, to have this inner strength, inner confidence, not in a, of ourselves because we cannot muster it, we cannot build it up, we can't train for it. It is just simply in in what God does, what He is doing in our hearts, and it's just so different. It's it's beautiful. We see it, um, David, with just one flick of his slingshot. See you later, Goliath. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Michelle. Really appreciate that. Praise God. It reminds me of how the Bible tells us, apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Apart from God, we have nothing. We can't do anything. There's nothing that we have in and of ourselves, but God does give us everything. And that is indeed what the Bible message tells us again and again. That it's not about us having no worth at all. It's just realizing that there is no worth in us apart from who God is. But he gives us all of his worth. And that is that is priceless. There's, there's no, no, nothing on earth that can compare. Let's praise God this morning for everything that he's been teaching us. What we're going to do now is wrap up our service. We're going to have a, a time of worship again, praising God. And as we do, we're going to take up our tithes. We're going to take up our offering, our gifts in, in a place of, again, worship to him. So will you stand with me? And let's... Let me pray. Let me pray, and then we'll worship God together. Father, thank you so much for giving us this amazing time to hear your word, talk about your word. And I pray by your Holy Spirit that you will root the life of your word in us. So, Father, that we can indeed not just hear things from church and have some kind of theology, but really stand firm in everything that you have told us so that we may be able to resist the devil, so that we be able to believe in the things and see all the things that you've told us come to pass. And Father, I believe there's time, people right here, that you're calling to, to take a stand, to be silent no more, to, to start to stand up for who you are, and what they believe in. Father, again, not for any other purpose except for to glorify you. And I pray that as they stand firm, you indeed give them courage. Give them your strength. Let them be the light in this world. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Stand to you.